Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. Well, predictably, the left is losing, are losing their collective minds once again because they don't get their way. I'm talking, of course, about the latest ruling from the Supreme Court that was issued today that shot down, overruled, uh, found the New York State's restrictive laws regarding uh, obtaining a concealed carry license to be unconstitutional. And and this ruling really couldn't have come at a, a better time to break open and show the great divide between what these politicians and Congress are doing, trying to restrict, restrict guns further, and then the Supreme Court ruling against these restrictive measures. Now, the Supreme Court, uh, obviously it was the you know, conservative leaning. They're not all conservative, by the way. We know this. But it was a six to three ruling. And it was, uh, you know, party line. It's, I, I hate to even talk about it in these terms because the role of a Supreme Court justice is simply to rule based on the law, the Constitution. It's not to insert their own opinions. It's to interpret things based on the law, based on history, and so on and so forth. But just yesterday, I sat behind this microphone and I sat here and explained to all of you what was going on in Congress, right, with the 14 cowardly Republicans who joined the Democrats in the Senate uh, to go ahead and compromise on trying to take away our rights to bear arms, to restrict the law-abiding citizens' ability to, to own a firearm, to exercise that Second Amendment right. And lo and behold, today you have a ruling by the Supreme Court which does the opposite, rules against these restrictive Measures. I mean, it's amazing to see. On the one hand, you have Congress, which is moving to violate the Second Amendment. And then today you have a ruling from the Supreme Court, which does the opposite, that, 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 that announces, that upholds our right to bear arms. Now, we'll get into this. And look, you know, there is a theme that's going to break out and emerge in today's episode, and that's that the left is lawless. I mean, I'm going to play some clips of Lori Lightfoot out of Chicago, Mayor Adams there in New York, you know, two of the most violent cities in the country with very high homicide rates, gun violence through the roof. You know, of course, they're coming out and they're condemning this. And basically, you know, the left doesn't care. You know, the Supreme Court, whether you like it or not, is the highest court in the land, right? I mean, their ruling does determine uh, what laws are constitutional and not, and the states are supposed to abide by it. But when it doesn't swing their way, the left says, well, we're going to do everything we can to buck what the Supreme... We don't care. Screw the Supreme Court. F them. That's the attitude of the left. You know, now, when it goes their way on, on an issue, right, that's the law of the land. That's a, You are an insurrectionist, a lawless individual if you don't abide by this, right? But when it doesn't go their way, and this is the thing, they are the ones, the left, despite all of their screaming about January 6th and conservatives and MAGA and Trump and everything, they are the ones that are the insurrectionists, that have mobs at their disposal that are organized to go out and pillage and devastate communities to force what they want on the American people, their will. They are authoritarians, they're tyrants, they have no regard for the law. The left is lawless. Now, this law, this, this, this case that was b b before the Supreme Court, uh, it came about because there were two men, uh, Brandon, I don't know if it's Cook, Coke, K-O-C-H, right, and Robert Nash. Now, these were two law-abiding adults. They were New York residents, and they applied for concealed carry permits, and they had them denied. They wanted the opportunity for self-defense, and why should they not? They live in New York City where every day you read about acts of violence, murders, gun violence by criminals on subways, in Times Square. So good for them. But they were found by the authorities to not have good enough reasons for wanting to carry. And so their permits were denied. And so they brought this lawsuit and it made its way to the Supreme Court. And these two, their lawyers, their defense, whatever, you know, they claim that both their Second and Fourteenth Amendment 
rights had been violated by the denial. And that is exactly precisely what the Supreme Court majority ruling six to three found to be true. Now, the left hates the Constitution, and that's what we're learning again. It's in the forefront. That's what is on display today. They're outraged when the Constitution is upheld. They're driven to rage when our laws are upheld. They are furious and militant when your rights and my rights are protected. They are unconstitutional, lawless individuals. Now, the left is apoplectic, right? Because, uh, you know, law-abiding citizens can uh, have a concealed carry. And they're citing, well, they have nothing to cite because, in fact, the statistics aren't even on their side. When was the last time you heard about someone with a concealed carry permit murdering an innocent civilian in a public setting or carrying out a mass shooting? Buffalo, Uvalde, were these concealed carry license holders? No, 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 no. In fact, they were taking advantage in the Buffalo case, right, of strict gun control measures because they knew that nobody would have a concealed carry in Buffalo. That is what the murderer in Buffalo admitted in his screed, his manifesto. He came out and said that the reason, one of the reasons he targeted that supermarket in Buffalo is because he cited their strict gun laws because he didn't, well, he knew that in New York, in Buffalo, an armed citizen wasn't going to stand in his way. He would have a greater opportunity to carry out that act of mass murder that he was set upon committing. Now, had any one of those people in that supermarket had a concealed carry, the outcome could have been different, right? Some armed citizen, some upstanding citizen could have stopped that shooter. But that shooter knew that nobody had a concealed carry there, and so he targeted it. Soft targets, right? People that announce that there are no guns on the premises. These are the targets, most often, of criminals intent on whether it's killing or stealing or robbing or whatever it is. That, those are the targets. If you're a, a criminal and you go into a setting to commit a crime, well, you don't want to be prevented, Right? So you don't want to go in a place with guns blazing in a place where you could encounter somebody who could shoot you dead. Are criminals applying, by the way, for concealed carry permits? No. You know, concealed carry permits are obtained almost exclusively by what? The most law-abiding citizens, and I've got statistics to back it up. This is Drew Allen, by the way, host of The Drew Allen Show. You're a 35-year-old millennial champion of conservatism and common sense, making what once was uh, common, which has now become uncommon, trying to make that common again. Uncommon sense, right? The name of one of my books. Look, the only real statistic that's even relevant in all this is what? How many acts of gun violence are committed by concealed carry holders, right? Isn't that the only one that, you know, now now they're, they're, I mean, you know what I'm going to do actually uh, you know, get out your pens and notepad. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just just keep your ears open and I'll do the rest. I will inform you. I, I will keep you abreast of everything. I will make my cases. I will give you the cases to make. Uh, we will analyze this from every angle uh, as only Drew Allen does. But I'm going to play a clip first of Mayor Adams. All right. This is Mayor Adams, a man who, uh, well, let me, let me play the clip and then I'll rip him to shreds. I have said and stated uh, for some time now that uh, the, the Supreme Court decision was keeping me up at night. It's clearly reached the point where we won't have any sleep. This decision is so impactful. When I spoke with my chief counsel, based on his preliminary analysis, I said, give it to me on a scale of one to ten. It's very close to a 10 of a major concern that we have. While we're still analyzing the decision, we can say with certainty, uh, this decision has made every single one of us less safe from gun violence. So there's Mayor Adams. You know, he's been losing sleep over uh, this Supreme Court decision for some time. He hasn't been losing sleep over the pandemic of violence, which is up, you know, 43 percent. Uh, throughout the pandemic. You know, that, that that's not keeping him up at night. He doesn't seem to care too much when murderers uh, kill people on the subway in his city. But this, 
This, the idea that a law-abiding citizen could obtain a concealed carry permit to defend himself in this city that is like Gotham City, in which there is no Batman, uh, you have to defend yourself, uh, you know, th- here he is. Oh, we, we're, we're no, there, no one's going to sleep anymore because of this ruling. No one's going to sleep. You know, the reason people wanted a concealed carry permit, even based on what brought this to Supreme Court, those two law-abiding New York residents who were denied, uh, they were losing sleep. They were losing sleep because of the danger your city, and frankly, yours and previous mayors who have decimated that city, made it less safe. Uh, they were losing sleep. So, I mean, this is so, the hyperbole here, the, 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 I mean, it's just a joke. There's no statistics, of course, to back it up. And he's going to be lawless. You know, he'll go on. I'm not going to play more of the clip, but to say that we're looking at everything we can do to basically, you know, make legislation. I mean, SCOTUS ruled. It's unconstitutional. And here he is basically adamantly defying the law of the land, saying we don't care. We don't care. Um, so let's break out some of these statistics. Because these people will never cite them, never admit them. Um, the first thing about this concealed carry situation in New York City, you had to prove proper cause. Basically, you were never going to get a gun unless you were, a, you know, a concealed carry unless you're a politician or whatever. But beyond that, if you didn't have a permit to own a gun, even if it wasn't a concealed carry to bring it out in public with you, you ha- it was unlawful. You could be arrested, prosecuted if you bought a gun without having a permit. Now, the concealed carry... The ability to actually defend yourself in that city of Gotham, you had to demonstrate a special need for self-protection that was distinguishable from that of the general community. So you had to, you had to prove what you know that you had. I mean, the reason you get a concealed carry, it's not because your ex-wife is uh, sending you messages and emails and threatening to kill you. It's because you recognize the danger and you want to be able to defend yourself should you find yourself in that situation. So the general public is always facing that risk. But you have to demonstrate a special need for self-protection, which basically means you're not getting a concealed carry. So they use this to prevent anyone from getting a concealed carry in the city. And Americans, by the way, defend themselves, and they never talk about this with their firearms, between 500,000 and 3 million times every year. Can I repeat that? Americans defend themselves with their firearms between 500,000 and 3 million times every year? Is that not justification enough for Americans to own firearms? That outweighs the number of murders and homicides, doesn't it? And, you know, here's this ridiculous, absurd argument to scare people, suggesting that... You know, concealed carry now is going to make his city less safe. Less safe than it already is with the criminals out there that are obtaining guns illegally. So somebody who wants to defend themselves, they're going to uh, somehow contribute to criminality and violence in New York City. So... Back in 2019, the the main examiner reported uh, residents of that state had been allowed to carry a concealed firearm without any special permit since 2015. That means in Maine, the state of Maine, if you wanted a concealed carry, you could get a concealed carry. You could carry your gun, all right? And... Four years after allowing this universal concealed carry law in Maine, it was rated the safest state in the nation for crime. As a matter of fact, the U.S. News and World Report published an article regarding the public safety rankings for each state based on the FBI's latest available data. And you know what the study found? That the top three states for public safety are Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. All three are our constitutional permitless carry states. That means you don't even need a permit to carry. No permit to carry a loaded handgun in most public places, openly or concealed. And this moron Adams is going on to say, 
you know, after this, I mean, it's a lot, he talks for 15, 16 minutes at this press conference, but he, he says, you know, he, he's worried that, the, that New York City is going to become the wild, wild west. It's already the wild, wild west. Mayor Adams. Um, the same study, by the way, showed that, the, that five of the top ten are constitutional carry states, with Idaho and Wyoming being the additional two states. Wisconsin, June 29th, 2017. This is from police, by the way. Right? Let, let's listen to police, right? We're so concerned here. You know, these, these, these concealed carry citizens are a, a threat to society. You know? They're just waiting to carry out mass murder and go into uh, supermarkets and kill people. The only thing preventing them from carrying out those crimes and murdering is that they can't get a concealed carry. Have you heard of such stupidity in all your life? Oh, that's right. All the criminals out there, they just, they, they'd be out there murdering endlessly, but, uh, you know, they can't get a concealed carry permit, so they're not going to do it. Moronic. Wisconsin, June 29th, 2017, the Milwaukee Police Union president, well, he spoke, he addressed how law-abiding concealed carry permit holders uh, are indicating that the police hadn't arrested even one since 2011. 2011 is when Wisconsin, Wisconsin shall issue process was instituted. Basically, they, they started permitting in an easily attainable way concealed carry in Wisconsin back in 2011. And since 2011, so that's 2011 to 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, that's six years. In six years, the police hadn't arrested even one citizen with a concealed carry permit. Biden, too, by the way, I mean, he's deeply disappointed, of course. I mean, like the rest of these Marxist communists, Uh, You know, they're always upset when the law is upheld and when Americans are permitted to have their unalienable rights. Well, he's disappointed over the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, Just wait till Friday when Roe v. Wade is overturned. I I am telling you right now, you just prepare yourselves. And you know what? This is why we need concealed carry more than ever before. And I know this sounds hyperbolic and like a joke, but I'm not kidding. Violence is coming. Violence is coming. If you thought the summer of love with BLM and George Floyd over George Floyd, if you thought that was bad, $2 billion worth of damage and dozens murdered, injured by those criminals and mobs, just wait till the mobs are unleashed. Hell is coming. Hell is coming. Prepare yourselves. I'm not trying to scare you, but it's coming. So, this case, by the way, was called New York State Rifle and Pistol Association Incorporated versus Bruin. Um, and they've been, they've been, you know, everyone expected this kind of like they've started to expect Roe v. Wade. And you know why they expect this? They expect this because they know it's unconstitutional. That's the only reason they expect these rulings to go this way. And I'm going to, in a minute, delve into the distinct differences between the six that ruled that New York's concealed carry restriction, that law was unconstitutional versus the three that wanted to uphold it. We're going to get into a conversation about originalism and these activists on the court. So anyway, they, they, they heard oral arguments first on this uh, back in November. And, you know, of course, the quote-unquote conservative majority, which are originalists that rule based on the Constitution, um, well, they appeared to lean toward dismissing it even at the time. And uh, Biden, of course, he issued a statement saying this ruling contradicts both common sense and the Constitution and should deeply trouble us all. The words of an authoritarian and a tyrant. Common sense, right? Common sense. You know, common sense is not a substitute for the Constitution. You see, there are many opinions out there, disagreements about how things should go and how things should be in the year of our Lord Anno Domini 2022. But because you disagree with something, you cannot violate the Constitution. They're unalienable rights. And this is the problem with the left. This is the lawlessness. It doesn't matter. You know, we have a system in place in the Constitution to amend it. Amend it. If you want to abolish the Second Amendment, 
you can make the arguments and try and convince Congress and the state legislatures to amend the Constitution to eradicate that right. But they don't want to do that process. They don't want to do that process. One, they're never going to get the consensus that they want because the majority of the country is not a bunch of commies. And so they try and do it this way. And when the Supreme Court fulfills its duty and says, you've stepped too far, they lose their minds, they resort to violence, they try and intimidate to get their way because they are lawless. And the president, like the moron that he is, and the Marxist spokesperson that he is, he, of course, referred to the recent acts of gun violence, you know, the mass shootings we talked about, wherein neither of the killers was a concealed carry permit holder. That's why New York's law is needed. That's why New York's law is needed. In the midst of uh, criminality and mass shootings, we've got to take guns out of the hands of law-abiding American citizens who we have evidence of they need to be able to defend themselves because you can't rely on the police, certainly. If you're in Uvalde, for example, the police, well, you know, their chief Ruiz or whatever his name was, well, they just tell you, uh, let's just stand back for an hour and eight minutes while these children are slaughtered. No, 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 we can't go in and risk our lives. Let's just wait till all the children are dead and the Border Patrol get here and then the Border Patrol can make a decision whether to do something. Yeah, yeah, let's rely on the police to defend us in all these instances because the police were there to stop the Buffalo shooter. The police were there to, literally actually were there to stop the Uvalde shooter, but they didn't do their jobs. So anyway, he references Buffalo and Uvalde and daily acts of gun violence that come from criminals. It's funny what he says, actually. Biden says, as well as the daily acts of gun violence that do not make national headlines. Yeah, the only ones that don't make national headlines are, you know, all the murders in Chicago, New York City for the most part. The only ones that actually make headlines is if it's done by a white person or if it's a mass shooting and they discover that an uh, AR-15 was used. So they can use that to try and take, you know, to, to, to make that gun illegal to, to purchase. And of course, this is all done. All, all, this, all this restrictive gun measures, right? We got to protect our fellow Americans. Well, you know, that's the thing. As Americans, we believe in our ability to protect ourselves. This is the fundamental problem. This is the fight we are engaged in. I don't want somebody. I'm not relying on anybody else for anything. I'm not a victim. I'm going to take control of my own life. I'm going to protect myself with guns in my home. I'm going to make sure I am prepared. Reduce gun violence. You got a criminal problem. You got an evil problem in this country. Not a law-abiding American citizen with a concealed carry permit problem. And so again, you know, SCOTUS says it's unconstitutional, and now they take that, and now they're trying to demand action again. More common sense laws. Yes, yes, it's just common sense. We know we have a constitution that says explicitly you have unalienable rights, but common sense dictates that we just ignore the constitution. No, no, no. Lawlessness dictates what you're saying. So anyway, Justice Clarence Thomas, brilliant man, wrote the opinion. And he argued that New York's requirement that citizens must demonstrate a need for concealed carry was unconstitutional. I quote, here we go, part from the, a little part of this, this, his opinion. We know of no other constitutional right that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need. That precisely, unalienable. It doesn't come from the government, it comes from our creator. Bingo. See, this guy's an originalist. He gets it. It doesn't matter what your emotional opinions are about guns in this country. We have a Second Amendment right, whether you like it or not. That right comes from our creator, not to be determined by, by some government official or apparatus that tells you, well, okay, you can have a gun, you can't have a gun, you can have a gun, you can't have a gun. That's not how it works. Obviously, unless you're a proven criminal. He goes on, that's not how the First Amendment works when it comes to unpopular speech or the free exercise of a religion. Brilliant. But what do we see taking place in this country? You know, unpopular speech to the left, of course, is what I'm saying, what any conservative or non-leftist is saying. And just because it's unpopular doesn't mean I can't say it. But they're attacking that, right? Censorship. 
They promote censorship because they don't respect the Constitution. Free exercise of religion. I told you about another Supreme Court ruling we're waiting on about the uh, JV, I believe, high school football coach that I talked about yesterday that the school asked him to stop praying after football games. He's free to do what he wants. He's free to do what he wants. And I guarantee you, if that if that uh, high school coach, by the way, if he was a Muslim and was uh, wanting to pray to Allah instead of God and Jesus Christ, they would protect that to the death, would they not? You know they would. Um, it's not how the Sixth Amendment works, Thomas writes, when it comes to a defendant's right to confront the witnesses against him. And it is not how the Second Amendment works when it comes to public carry for self-defense. They also found it violated the 14th Amendment. That's uh, New York's proper cause requirement violates the 14th Amendment and that it prevents law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs. That's right. 14th Amendment is basically you can't discriminate, right? You can't discriminate. So that's exactly what this law in New York, New York State was doing. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the, the, the morons and losers are piling on. I got to take a short break here. I actually have to hop on an interview real quick to talk about the very things I'm talking about with you. Um, and then I'll be back and we will uh, continue on this journey to enlighten ourselves. This is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. And uh, we're back at it. Drew Allen here, the Millennial Minister of Truth at your service. Um, you know, back on February 13th, 2019, you know, getting back into this idea, right, um, of, what, uh, of what Biden said, right? He, he, he mentioned, of course, that... that in the wake of the horrific acts in Buffalo and Uvalde, as well as the daily acts of gun violence that do not make national headlines. Now, let, let, let's address what doesn't make national headlines, because uh, heroes that are concealed carry permit holders or have a concealed carry or have a gun on them in public, those often don't make national headlines, do they? They don't. Well, back on February 13th, 2019, Larry Seagroves, Seagroves, all right? He was a concealed handgun permit holder. Uh, he came to the aid of individuals at a dentist office in Colonial Heights, Tennessee. A lone gunman fatally shot his wife and turned his gun to shoot other people present in the dentist office. Seagroves had his gun on him. He was in the office at that time, and he shot the gunman. He wounded the gunman, and he held him down until the authorities arrived. And the Sullivan County Sheriff, at the time, Jeff Cassidy, said, from everything I've heard, he was flawless in his execution. His stopping of, eliminating the threat, holding the threat down until law enforcement arrived. He was a concealed carry permit holder, and I'm going to call him a hero today. Even the killer called Seagroves a hero. He said, uh, the, the killer, who was wounded but didn't die, said, you all wouldn't be dealing with me right now if the hero hadn't stepped in. He told the police this after the attack. That is the value of a concealed carry permit holder. Now, not everyone's comfortable. Not everyone's going to be a concealed carry permit holder. Many people are not comfortable with a gun, period, or certainly having one on them in public. But they do save lives. And if you, let me ask you a question. If you'd been a patient in that dental office back on February 13th, 2019 in Colonial Heights, Tennessee. Would you be grateful that Larry Seagroves was there to save your life, that he had a concealed carry? Do you think you'd come out of there and say, we need to prevent Americans, law-abiding Americans from having concealed carry? Of course you wouldn't because he just saved your life. I mean, there's another story. Same year, January 17th, 2019, Jay Brown, he was an IHOP employee in Huntsville, Alabama. And he stopped a gunman who had just killed Jay Brown's father in the restaurant. How many lives did he save? A restaurant patron was certainly proud. He took action. It's amazing. 
this witness said, that he was able to think so quickly on his feet in that situation because I think probably, I probably just would have panicked. You know, the people who have concealed carry permits, they'd be people like me. Perhaps someone like you, someone who knows and is comfortable with a firearm. And of course, a criminal isn't going to go through the trouble of a concealed carry. I mean, this is the joke, right? Again, yes, yes. But for the concealed carry permit restrictions in New York, there would be no murders by criminals in the city, right? I mean, this is, this is the absurdity. And I'm just thinking, you know, I, when I was in uh, D.C. a few weeks ago at the Naomi Wolf book release event, uh, there were many prominent people in that room, people you've heard of, people that the left would like to, uh, people on the left, lunatics on the left would like to kill. And I was talking to my buddy there and I was saying, you know, this is amazing. It's, uh, there's a lot of people who'd like to come and disrupt this thing. Fortunately, you know, we were careful. We didn't let people know who was there, but we didn't have police. We didn't have any security presence. And we said, man, we are uh, sitting ducks here. But uh, one of our other buddies who was the husband of a prominent uh, media person who, who Trump has actually uh, referred to in, 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 his, in one of his, uh, you know, whatever those memorandums or things he issues recently. But anyway, the husband was there with his wife. His wife's a conservative. The left hates her. She's been written about many times. And her husband, he uh, had three guns on him. Three gu- you wouldn't know unless you knew. My buddy was there reaching down and patting his, uh, his ankle jokingly, you know, because he had one down below. That guy wasn't a threat to us. I didn't feel unsafe because of that. In fact, I was thankful he had three guns because, you know what? Had something happened, thank God it didn't, but had something happened, there'd be someone in that room who was a responsible gun owner who was actually in a position to protect us and save us. And that's the reality. That's the reality. Um, you know, the dissenting opinion here by the three justices on the left, the activist judges, right? Now, now this is the difference, right? Everyone talks about conservatives, liberals. You know, conservative justices are originalists. They actually are embodying what a justice is supposed to be. Now, the leftist judges from the Democrat side are activists. They're not ruling based on the Constitution. They are ignoring the Constitution and superseding it, ruling against it, in fact, to set precedents that are not constitutional. They are lawless. And in the dissent, let me see here. Find this in my stack of stuff. What they said. So I told you what Justice Thomas said and, and explained his opinion, what, what a uh, originalist would say. And Breyer, in the dissent, Justice Breyer, who will be replaced by Katanji Brown-Jackson, who can't define a woman and doesn't believe that uh, our rights are unalienable. Well, Breyer said, in my view, when courts interpret the Second Amendment, it is constitutionally proper Indeed, often necessary for them to consider the serious dangers and consequences of gun violence that lead states to regulate firearms. So do you understand what Breyer is saying as an activist judge? He's alleging that it's constitutionally proper to consider gun violence, right? So if you have a Second Amendment that is unalienable, that says that that right shall not be infringed, right? If you have a law on the books that is the law of the land that says you can own guns. Well, just because there's gun violence, he believes that it's constitutionally proper, which is a lie. It's a violation of the Constitution. Well, you can just override the Constitution and change the laws out of a need that you see. Do you see how dangerous this is? This is why Biden is pushing this talking point that the Second Amendment is not absolute, right? All those amendments in the Bill of Rights are actually absolute, and that's the point. If they're not absolute, then they don't matter. They don't stand. They're meaningless. It's like a contract. If you have a contract uh, with a company or whatever it is, that contract is, in fact, absolute. If the contract is not absolute, what does that mean? Either side can break it. Either side can change it. Imagine what that would produce. 
No, these things are absolute. And our Constitution is a contract between we the people and our government. But the government doesn't respect it. These leftist politicians don't respect it. And thankfully, we have a giant of a man, of a human being named Clarence Thomas and others on the court, but Clarence Thomas by far, after Scalia died, I mean, those are my two favorite. Clarence Thomas, thank God, is still around. And he understands that. He stands up for the Constitution, unlike the Republican senators, those 14, that have no regard for the Constitution. They don't even discuss the Constitution. That's the point. But the Democrats, moreover, don't even care about this ruling in many ways. They're upset, but they're already discussing how they can just continue to violate it. Continue to violate it. Um, I'll play a clip of Lori Lightfoot to finish off this segment about, you know, this, uh, this Supreme Court ruling. Let's hear Lori Lightfoot, the alien from we don't know where, the mayor of Chicago. And that is notable. I I do want to ask you, though, because you are in a unique position, given all of the gun violence that you have to deal with um, coming out of your city. Just tell me the impact of having more guns on the street. What what do the rest of us need to know? It's it's devastating. I mean, it's just fundamentally devastating. I have made so many calls to moms and dads and relatives who have lost um, loved ones because of gun violence. And, and increasingly what we're seeing is not quote-unquote gang-related. It's petty disputes that in other times without a gun maybe would end up in some hurt feelings, maybe a bloody nose, but certainly not death. And making those calls, there's no words of condolence that I can bring to a parent who has lost a child to gun violence. It is a devastating, deep blow to them. The proliferation of illegal guns is a challenge of our time, and we have got to rise up as a country and recognize the, the devastating, lifelong impact that it has on victims. And I'm glad you asked the questions because I think too many times in these conversations, the victims and survivors are second thought. Not in my city. They have bonded together, the grace that they show and purpose over pain that they um, engage in is incredible. I mean, Lori Lightfoot, there are few lesser, sorry, there are few greater reprobates in politics than Lori Lightfoot. Uh, She and Mayor Adams are both liars who take no responsibility for the pandemic of gun violence, right? Proliferation of illegal guns is what she quotes there. This is the biggest problem in America, the proliferation of illegal guns. And she's coming out and responding in this way to the Supreme Court, which is allowing Americans to legally possess firearms in public. Notice how all of these things they're saying, they never bring up statistics about concealed carry because they're not on their side. They, this is my point. They do not want the American citizen to be armed. They want you dependent upon them for your safety, and look where that gets you in a city like Chicago. This is a woman, a woman, an alien, if you look at her face. It's just true. It's a fact. She makes me believe in aliens. Uh, But anyway, this is a woman who presides over a city with some of the worst gun violence in the country. And notice how that reporter starts off the conversation. Oh, the gun violence you have to deal with. You have to deal with, notice how they don't place the blame on the policies in Chicago. There is a serious issue with criminality, gangs in that city. But it's not Mayor Lightfoot's fault, right? This is the point. The Democrats never answer for anything. It's never their fault. It just happens, right? And they're there. It can get worse and worse and worse, as it always does. And they're off the hook. They're off the hook. No discussion about solving it. No discussion about her policies and how they could change. No, no discussion, by the way, about what Congress is presenting in terms of restricting guns from law-abiding American citizens and the fact that her city already has those very laws on the books that aren't preventing any of it. Now, I don't know what she's talking about, you know. I, she certainly doesn't cite statistics because it's a bunch of hooey. But, you know, oh, there's a bunch of petty disputes, you know. Somebody yells at somebody, they have a gun, and then the next thing they know, you know they're dead. What does it have to do with the concealed carry 
permits? Are those petty disputes or those concealed carry? Those are petty disputes at home in neighborhoods. That's not because they have a concealed carry. And frankly, without looking right now, I guarantee you it's virtually impossible to get a concealed carry in Chicago just like it is in New York. And yet there you have it. I mean, victims and survivors are second thoughts, she says. But not to her, right? Yeah, yeah, she's out there every day in the streets of Chicago with all those black children who are murdered in gang violence. You've seen those images, right? Lori Lightfoot's out there visiting. She's going to the most dangerous parts of her city where dozens of people are killed every weekend, black people. Yeah, she's out there hanging out with the victims, hanging out with the survivors, comforting them, telling them what she's going to... Oh, you haven't seen those pictures and video? Oh, that's because they don't exist. That's because they don't... She sits in her office overseeing this violence, this destruction in her own city and uh, putting policies in place that make it worse. Defund the police. Get them out of these cities. Don't protect anyone. These victims and survivors have bonded together. That, that's a highlight for you. Oh, yeah, you're proud of this? There's so much death and carnage in Chicago, Lori, that, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the silver lining in all this... Uh, uh, is, uh, you know, well, you know, there's so many dead people, so many victims and survivors that, you know, it's like an AA meeting. They can all comfort each other. Thank God there's a thousand people who've had their family members murdered in my city because it's brought them closer together. They've bonded. I mean, these people are lunatics, absolute lunatics. Now, before I get into a couple things, um, I, I, I want to discuss, because I always do this, the left's perspective, right? Now you've got um you've got oh, okay I got to do this real quick. I forgot something. I forgot something. This is this is Justice Breyer again. The lawless Justice Breyer, the activist on the court. Um a state like New York he wrote in his dissent, which must account for the roughly 8.5 million people living in the 303 square miles of New York City, might choose to adopt different and stricter firearms regulations than states like Montana or Wyoming, which do not contain any city remotely comparable in terms of population or density. So the 14th Amendment prevents this, right? This is the whole point. The 14th Amendment, to give you context, this, this is one of the base, legal bases of the argument about the fraud that took pay, place in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, in addition to the Supreme Court overruling unconstitutionally the legislature to change the voting laws in 2020, there were certain precincts, certain areas, certain counties that were doing outreach. Uh, they were basically, if you sent in a mail-in ballot, right, and they discovered there was an issue with a mail-in ballot, they were reaching out to Democrats, but not Republicans with the same issue. That's a violation of the 14th Amendment. This is too. You can't say, well, <clears throat> you live in New York City. You know, it's a bigger city with a greater population. So if you're in New York City, uh, you can't get a gun. But if you're in Montana, you can because there's less people. That's irrelevant to the issue. And that has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. It's an absolute right. It doesn't matter what city or state you live in. That is not a state's rights issue. The First Amendment, all the amendments are untouchable, untouchable. They're not for politicians to, based on statistics in their state, determine that, well, we're going to limit your amendment right in this state, but not that state. That's the 14th Amendment problem. And so he admits the primary difference between the court's view and mine is that I believe the amendment allows states to take account of the serious problems posed by gun violence that I've just described. So, you know, if, if free speech is dangerous in New York, well, they can limit it. Have you heard of something so insane and absurd? This is the breakdown of society. This is what Lincoln warned about 20 years or so before he was president of the United States. Everybody's got to abide by the Constitution or you have lawlessness. And sooner or later, you know what happens? People start thinking of exchanging their government for another and it leads to a dangerous place, revolution. This is the problem. You can't live in a society in which you have this lawlessness, the lawless left. <clears throat> but anyway... Um, you've got this uh, this group out there because the left always has these funded groups that provide statistics that are lies and not true uh, to push their agenda forward. Now, this left-wing group called the Violence Policy Center, they're a leftist, Marxist, communist, gun control advocacy group. 
Now, they've released studies in the past. I don't know what month this is from, but in the past, they've claimed falsely and wrongly that too many concealed carry permit holders are a direct threat to, the pub, to public safety. Now, they analyzed this database documenting non-self-defense incidents, which this organization says proves that allowing random people to carry guns and... Da- I'm a random person. I mean, this is, this is how they look at us. They demean us. We're not human beings. We're just random people. You know, statistics to them. So anyway, if you actually look at the wealth of data, their claim, well, it's contrary to the facts, which actually proves that concealed carry permit holders are one of the most law-abiding populations in the nation. Surprise, surprise. So here's one of the means with which they lie. Well, the database that they use and, 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 and quote, right? <clears throat> because you know on its face, concealed carry permit holders are not a direct threat to public safety. So you, you, your gut tells you it's wrong. And then when you look at it like we're going to do now, it is wrong. So uh, in their database, these left-wingers, they actually erroneously, irrelevantly include Deaths that are not even attributable attributable to the misuse of a concealed carry permit. So, for example, this anti-gun group defines, right, non-self-defense incidents. That's their their statistic. That's what they're, they're using. Well, it includes virtually any fatality involving a concealed carry permit holder. So, if somebody has a concealed carry permit and they commit suicide, they count that as them being a danger to the public. They count that as uh, evidence. Um, obviously, the concern that they're saying with concealed carry permit holders is that they're going to be carrying guns in public, right? And they could kill someone. You know, like criminals out there that don't have concealed carry permits that do this all the time. So if you actually look at their numbers, 40% of the deaths, so there are 1,335, you know, non-self-defense incidents of concealed carry permit holders, they quote. Well, 534 of those are suicides. A concealed carry permit has nothing to do uh, with a suicide. You could have that gun regardless. That is not a term uh, like concealed carry killer brings to mind, right? Concealed carry killers is what they call them. Well, them committing suicide, that's not what's brought. So right off the bat, 40% of the deaths that they quote are suicides, are irrelevant, erroneous to their argument. Um, And they're also irrelevant because other incidents that they use have nothing to do with some concealed carry permit holder using that to go out in public and kill somebody at IHOP or Buffalo or Uvalde at a school. It's used in their house, for example, to kill a spouse. Evil, it's a crime, murder's illegal, but concealed carry permit doesn't contribute to that in any way whatsoever. So they're all a bunch of liars and scoundrels. All right. Lori Lightfoot, by the way, to get back to her, this person who's uh, suddenly so sad, so sad about her city and the crime, even though she's done nothing about it. And she's so upset over the SCOTUS ruling that says that it's unconstitutional to prevent American citizens from acquiring concealed carry. Well, this is a woman who encouraged and tried to incite a mob to violence. When these, and this is, this is par for the course. They, they make arguments and encourage, uh, you know, revolts, encourage, you know, these mobs based on things that don't even relate to the ruling at hand. So when it, when, when it was leaked that the Supreme Court, for example, right, was going, was poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. Just wait till that happens, by the way. Friday, Friday it's coming. Friday, it's coming. Anyway, so after that was overturned, which simply gave states the right to determine their own abortion laws because abortion is not like the Second Amendment or First Amendment. It's not in the Constitution. States can determine their own. That's the constitutional way. So they didn't abolish abortion. It just said states can determine their own laws. If they want a heartbeat ban, they can have it. If you're a lunatic in California like Gavin Newsom, you can... Kill the baby up until birth. But after that ruling, which had nothing to do with the LGBTQ plus community, she tweeted out to my friends in the LGBTQ plus community, the Supreme Court is coming for us 
next. This moment has to be a call to arms. We will not surrender our rights without a fight, a fight to victory, a call to arms, a call to arms. So she has a problem with uh, law-abiding American citizens possessing arms, and yet she is calling for her mob of leftist radical lunatics to take up arms. The irony, the irony, is it not? All right, so um, do you remember back in 2013 under the Obama administration when it was learned that um, the Justice Department, Obama's Justice Department, they were spying extensively on a Fox News reporter named James, James Rosen starting in 2010. They were collecting his telephone records, tracking his movements in and out of the State Department. And they even seized two days of Rosen's personal emails. Now, the Washington Post reported this um, back in 2013. And so Rosen's reporter doing his job, but the Obama administration didn't like his reporting. So they went after him. They went after him. They attacked the free press. And he had done this, by the way, Obama... He had, already, uh, he, had, he had already been under fire for seizing two months of telephone records of reporters and editors at the Associated Press, spying on reporters. And, uh, of course, Obama, just like a good Marxist, he didn't apologize. He made no apologies, he said, for investigations into national security-related leaks. You know, it's amazing. All these investigations into the press under Obama, this is worse than Watergate, by the way, spying on the press. I mean, that is literally what Nixon was going to be impeached, and then he ended up, you know, resigning over. He was allegedly, I mean, there's more to the story, but let's just go with what the story is. Watergate, you know, five or six burglars, I think it was five, burglars, you know, went into the Watergate complex to tap the phones of the Democrat National Committee, which I won't get into the history right now. Uh, A lot of questionable... <clears throat> issues with that. But nonetheless, um, that's what sunk Nixon, spying on his political opposition. Obama did the same thing. There was uh, no impeachment, no re- resignation whatsoever. And uh, when it came to leakers in the Obama administration, by the way, they had prosecuted twice as many leakers as all previous administrations combined. And... Um, under Trump, how many leaks did we have? <clears throat> right? When you had uh, Colonel Vindman, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, whatever he was, leak the phone call between Donald Trump and Zelensky, and then they lied and tried to use that to, well, they did use it to impeach Trump, quid pro quo. There were no calls for that. Vindman's uh, <clears throat> head. This is the thing, you know, they don't have any kind of absolutes. Certainly no moral absolutes, it's moral relativism. If it benefits them, they'll violate the law to no end. Dangerous stuff. So anyway, they gave some bogus, you know, statement. Jay Carney was the uh, spokesperson at that spokes idiot. I'm sorry, I still got the cough, as you obviously can hear. I really do apologize. Um, Anyway, Jay Carney, the White House press secretary at the time, of course, as Obama's caught violating uh, and not respecting the First Amendment and, uh, you know, the right of a free press, he announced that the president is a strong defender of the First Amendment, a firm believer in the need for the press to be unfettered to conduct its uh, investigative reporting while he's standing in the way of that, right? But uh, then he said, uh, you know, he, he recognizes the need for the Justice Department to investigate alleged criminal activity without undue influence, right? So, you know, if, if they want to allege criminal activity, you know, forget the Constitution, forget due process, forget rights. But, I mean, it, it, it was basically a spy novel what happened to Rosen. Um, and the way it started was Rosen reported on June 11th, 2009, that the U.S. intelligence believed that North Korea might start up nuclear tests in response to United Nations sanctions. And he got his information from CIA sources. And so investigators then 
uh, looked into this State Department arms expert named Stephen Jinwoo Kim, who was uh, among this small group of intelligence officials that received a top-secret report on the issue on the same day that Rosen ran the piece online. And FBI agent Reginald Ray said that there was evidence Rosen had broken the law. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, look, the New York Times has gotten tax records from uh, leaked to them from, uh, you know, over Trump and so on. I mean, this is so absurd. But, but my point is, they went after... They went after Rosen for this and used this to spy on Fox News, on him, on the AP. And I mean, look, Watergate, perfect example. Watergate, uh, Deep Throat, until his identity was eventually revealed, Deep Throat was the source that Bob Woodward used to conduct his investigation into uh, Nixon's cover-up of the burglary, allegedly. That guy was protected. Nothing ever happened to him. He was a hero, right? But anyway, you know, Rosen here, the point is he didn't do anything outside the bounds of traditional reporting. And um, the Obama administration spied on him. So the reason I mention this is because really this type of lawlessness really gained a lot of traction under the Obama regime. And, and the, the government hasn't been the same since. Now, we've always had corruption, but I believe firmly that the deep state really came to be in its modern form, which still exists, that went after Trump like it did under Obama. And now we've got the feds who have raided the home of a former Trump DOJ official who wanted to investigate allegations of voter fraud. So anybody who wanted to investigate allegations of voter fraud, the feds... The, the, the Biden administration is using the Fed as their Gestapo. They did another pre-dawn raid on Wednesday. Armed federal law enforcement agents, right? They searched the home of a guy named Jeffrey Clark, who was a former Trump Justice Department official that they want to investigate about January 6th now. Witch hunt is what this is. So, I mean, Clark explained why he'd been targeted by the regime back in in March. He sent this tweet out that said, I'm a former Trump DOJ official who, like you, was concerned about the 2020 election. Now I'm one of the top targets of the politically motivated J6 committee. They're trying to destroy everyone, trying to intimidate everyone, trying to silence everyone. If they're so confident in the free and fair election, the, the freest and fairest election ever in history, why are they trying to go after everyone who's raised questions and objections? So, this committee, the witch hunt committee that is trying to destroy everyone around Trump or related to Trump to destroy Trump himself, well, they subpoenaed Clark back in October and he invoked the Fifth Amendment more than 100 times during his interview. Now, the left, by the way, they will say the fact that they'll use this, for example, that he invoked the Fifth Amendment more than 100 times as evidence that, you know, there's something to hide. But if you invoke the amendment one time, you're going to invoke it 100 times. That's how it works. Um, there's a great statement that Russ Vogt, a former Office of Management and Budget Director, President of the Center for Renewing America, well, he released a statement Thursday that condemned this raid. The new era of criminalizing politics is worsening in the U.S. Yesterday, more than a dozen DOJ law enforcement officials searched Jeff Clark's house in a pre-dawn raid, put him in the streets in his pajamas, and took his electronic devices, all because Jeff saw fit to investigate voter fraud. This guy didn't commit a single crime. A single crime. We have a Nazi-style regime in there. I I am serious. You can ignore the Jewish Holocaust stuff, but in terms of authoritarianism, You can talk about Stalin. That's what's happening. That is what the Democrat Party has become. There is no place for this in American politics or society. That this J6 committee, this fraud committee, 
is abusing the power of the federal government to pull people who simply investigated voter fraud, which is not a crime. That's my point. These people have committed no crimes. They're guilty of nothing. And these people are being subject to armed DOJ law enforcement officials showing up pre-dawn with guns blazing, yanking people out of their homes and their pajamas and seizing your electronic devices. Where are the warrants? I am telling you, we are in lawless territory here and it's getting more and more dangerous by the day. We can't survive as a nation with this type of behavior. But you know, that's the point. The ends justifies the means. Democrat voters, they don't care. They hate Trump so much. Hate Trump so much with every fiber they're being. It doesn't matter. Do anything to get Trump. It doesn't matter if you violate someone's rights, if you ruin their life with no reason or cause. It doesn't matter. Trump is so bad that we will destroy the lives of a million, 10 million, 20. It doesn't matter how many. Havoc, destruction, if it serves our purpose. That's, that's what's going on. So anyway, you know, Steve Bannon, all these people are, are, are being treated like this. And uh, of course, if Trump had ever conducted any pre-dawn raid or any Republican had ever conducted some pre-dawn raid on a Democrat, they'd be uh, saying the world was over as we know it. Insurrection, you know. Um, recession is uh, inevitable. I played the clip yesterday of the admission by... Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary. And of course I joked, it, well, in a serious way, because I was making my point. I mean, she was saying there's, there's, there's no recession coming, which is code for recessions coming. And now I have more evidence to back that up, that recession is inevitable. And the left-wing media is going to try to prepare you for this now, right? They're going to try and soften the blow. Here's a Los Angeles Times headline. Yes, a recession looks inevitable, but it may not be that bad. Here's why. So this is what they're going to do ahead of the midterms. They're finally going to start slowly preparing you for the bad economic news, right? To soften the blow. They're going to try and convince you that it's not that bad. Don't worry about it. Ignore this. They're going to, of course, exaggerate and continue to push the J6 lie and those things that are distractions. And they're going to tell you that this time, recession's not so bad. The unemployment's not so bad. Inflation's not so bad. Don't worry, the whole world is suffering from inflation. Yeah, but we're suffering worse than the rest of the world. How do you explain that one? Oh, well, you know, it's, it's not Biden's fault. Just vote for more Democrats and we'll get through this together. Just vote for us and uh, we'll continue to arrest more innocent Americans. Vote for us and uh, we'll continue to uh, destroy the oil and gas. You know, here are the guarantees if you vote Democrat in the midterms. Uh, oil and gas prices will continue to rise. Inflation will continue to worsen. Recession will continue unabated. Uh, and we may fall into a depression given the Fed's response. Um, your, your hard-earned income will get you nothing. And uh, the world will continue to become a more dangerous place. There will be more violence on the streets. There will be more of your rights taken away and seized. Uh, the America, as you thought it existed, will cease to exist anymore. That's how serious the midterms are. That's how serious the midterms are. Um, on the interview, I was asked when I had to take my short break, I was asked about Trump versus DeSantis because the new poll came out of New Hampshire. It was a small sample size, but um, a majority in the poll want DeSantis over Trump. Are you surprised by that? Or is that kind of in line with your thinking right now? I mean, you know, I, I tried to explain it this way. I mean, say, I said, one, look, I'm okay with either. We've got to have a robust debate and the best man has to win in 2024. We can't coronate Trump. But, I mean, I think that there's a reason behind this. I mean, this is, this is a change, right? Trump had been ahead, now DeSantis has replaced him. I mean, I think it's, Trump's not in office right now. DeSantis is. And DeSantis, DeSantis is on the ground, active, right? He is the governor of Florida. And he's pushing back. People are watching that, seeing that. And so because he's front of mind and Trump is kind of taking a back seat, despite January 6th, despite him being important in the party, that's not my point. Um, we're watching leadership, whereas Trump is on the sidelines because he's not in politics right now, not serving, you know, in a role like governor or president, of course. 
So we'll see what happens. I, I think that, you know, you can make arguments for either. <clears throat> arguments for either. There's pros and cons to both. But the only thing I caution again is do not expect for all that. Look, you know, we've got Trump fatigue syndrome. We're tired of the hate. We want it to go away. We think it's just because of Trump. It's not. <clears throat> DeSantis has already gotten some of that treatment. It's only going to get worse. They're going to come up with hoaxes against DeSantis. They're going to attack him with all the hate and vitriol that they did had reserved for Trump. So that's not going to go away. So regardless of what your opinion is, your leaning, I don't care if it's Trump or DeSantis or somebody else. Uh, Trump was not the reason that the media was hateful. Trump was not the reason uh, for the outrage. That's the media and the left. He was a disruptor of the deep state, a disruptor of Washington, D.C. as it exists. The, you know, he, he, was, he was coming out against the establishment. They, they couldn't stand that. He was exposing corruption. They couldn't have that. So no matter who you support for president in 2024, expect, expect that candidate to be attacked in the same way Trump was. For the media to call them Hitler, just like they did Trump, it's going to be the same treatment. So don't let that influence your decision. You have to go with who you think is going to be a better leader for the country, who you think is the better communicator, who's going to be more effective, who can win. Don't base it on what the left says. We don't care about the left. They don't influence our decisions. They're lawless, as I've said. But anyway, we'll continue to discuss that over the next, you know, weeks, months, years, certainly. Um, but anyway, this is Jerrell, and it's been great to be with you again. And God bless you all, and until next time.